Hello, and welcome to Academy Conversations Uncut, a podcast of rare Q&As with the world's foremost filmmakers, hosted by the Academy and released for the first time to the public, unedited. Today's panel was recorded in July 2018 at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills, California. Discussing the movie Blind Spotting, a comedy drama about a parolee whose freedom is threatened and friendship tested when he witnesses a police shooting, we were joined by writer-producers actors Rafael Casal and David Diggs, actor Janina Gavankar, and producers Jess Calder and Keith Calder. The panel was hosted by Dave Carger. Here's Dave. Good evening, everybody. I love seeing this room so full for such a great movie on a Tuesday night. So thank you all for sticking around. My name is Dave Carger. I'm a host on Turner Classic Movies, and I have the pleasure of introducing five members of the cast and crew of Blind Spotting. So please help me welcome, first of all, two of the producers, Jess and Keith Calder. From the cast, please welcome Janina Gavankar. And last but not least, please welcome the producers, co-writers, and stars of the film, David Diggs and Rafael Casal. I mean, you guys made it to the Academy. I mean... We get to take those, right? (laughs) Yes, you do. That that is part of the deal. As many people in this room probably do know, Rafael and David, you guys have known each other for decades. Decades. How long has this film been in gestation and what was the germ of the idea? That feels like a Jess question. I think that's a Jess. Well, Jess is the one who kind of discovered Rafael on YouTube. So yeah, yeah, go ahead, take it, Jess. (laughs) Hi, guys. (laughs) Um, they all know I'm super, super shy. So this is their way of being like, talk, talk. <laughs> so, um, we force oh. her to speak all the time. So if you have questions, please address them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to ask you questions. The Academy doesn't allow that. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, so I guess uh, I've, I've, I've always been really excited about the idea of trying to do something different with the musical kind of genre. And I had this idea of like, wouldn't it be really cool if instead of when the characters are overwhelmed with emotion that they burst into verse instead of song? And what would that be like? Um, and so I sort of just did sort of like a deep dive on the internet. And I came across an amazing poet, Raphael Casal. Um, who at that time was the youngest poet on HBO Def Poet po- Poetry Jam, and he had lots of clips on YouTube, and I just became like a stalker, and I like watched every single po- poem, and they were all amazing, and I just took a leap of faith, and I reached out, and um, I sent him an, an email saying like, "This is gonna sound crazy, and I know you're uh, a poet, but is there any way you would think about trying to translate what you do um, in that in that?" And that type of writing in, in, into a film. And I was super excited when he wrote me back and said, like, yeah, I'd really love to ex- explore that. Um, and so we spent about a year with, with Keith um, trying to figure out, like, what that could, could be. And along 
along that time, he, he sent me a beautiful poem that he had written called Monster, which was all about um, how you know devastating it was that so many of his friends were, were dying such tragic deaths in Oakland. I think that sort of became sort of a little bit of a germ. And then we were lucky enough to um, do an event uh, for our, our documentary called Thunder Soul, which Rafa was unable to go to. And he sent his amazing uh, best friend, David Jakes, <laughs> instead. And luckily for everybody involved. <laughs> luckily for all of us. Rafa couldn't make it. Rafa couldn't make it. And Diggs blew us away, like within, you know, because he's himself. He's amazing. And, uh, you know, we quickly, the four of us were like, yeah, you know what the movie should be is just all four of us trying to figure it out. And that was a very long rambling story of how it came to be. Not rambling whatsoever. Yeah, very coherent. <laughs> Raphael, was film in your head as a possible genre you wanted to explore at that point when Jess contacted you? Um, w want absolutely. I, I don't think I don't know that we. There isn't that industry doesn't exist in the, in, the, in the Bay Area. That sort of that feels like such a fantastical idea that you would ever be able to make a film of a story that you were that you were dreaming about. And so I think we would, we would think about long form stories, but we really think about them more in terms of theater or other sort of more immediate, immediately available resources. Mm. Um, so to, I mean, to us at that, when we were, the, you know, we were late teens, early twenties at, at that point, this felt, Justin Keith were the, the biggest producers we'd ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that were, that were, that were within contact, you know, so we were so dead set on just trying to live up to what they were what they were seeing in me and then and then eventually seeing in us um i was i was we were shooting like web series stuff and music videos and i, I was doing like a lot of post-production and set work but this is all sort of very small and localized mm. and so i think the brain was working in terms of story in that way but it really took um what ended up being years of development with them to to both realize for ourselves, uh, to realize ourselves as, as screenwriters, and also to figure out sort of what, how, how to make some of those skill sets that we had developed in, in other relevant spaces apply to, to this medium. David, were you at first like, hello, I'm a future Tony and Grammy Award winner, like, He's been saying Where that for am I? years, and it's been so annoying. Um, and now, now it's, now he's got it, and he just won't shut up. <laughs> Quiet, Rafa. <laughs> when you have statues, you can talk. Now, we... <laughs> no, uh, no, man, I was a fucking substitute teacher. Like, I... <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and then I was, like, sleeping on subway cars in New York when, when I met Keith and Jess, because I, you know, made the pilgrimage with some friends down to... to uh, Obama's inauguration, which is where we actually spent a day going to a Maroon 5 concert. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that's why we're all wearing maroon today. Yeah, yeah. This is deep cut, guys. No. <laughs> that's so, you in on the concert. Weren't trying to blend in with the background. Didn't know it was going to happen that way. Just trying to feel like we belong. <laughs> Sorry for all your pictures. <laughs> maroon uh, 5, that's very new Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's no part of Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lambert. Uh, 
No, yeah, no, I, I wasn't uh, thinking any of those things. I was mostly concerned with like eating and, and making rap songs, which is what, you know, Raf and I really started working together because he was running a studio in North Oakland when I came back from college. And uh, we like stayed up one night making rap songs all night and that was it. That was like, oh, this is what I do now. This is who I work with on everything. Right, those rap songs went so well. <laughs> we should probably, I don't know, you know, write plays. That seemed like a logical thing at the time. Uh, but yeah, so I, um, when this came along, it was again, it was mostly like the first few years of this were really uh, us trying to impress them, like. Dr like driving down to LA and like pretending we had hotel rooms because we were totally adult and then like sleeping in our car wow. <laughs> like but you know like driving the whole way down being like what is it how do you how do you write what is stage direction in a screenplay what does that look like you know and Jess and Keith really just pretending that they didn't know we had no idea what we were doing and being like giving us scripts to read and being like why don't you guys read these just, you know, because they're things that we like. Us being like, oh, yeah, totally. We could look at these because among all of the other scripts we're reading and writing right now, we might as well, like, look add at these, these ones. The we'll add them to the pile. Sure. You guys like these? Great. We'll send you some that we like, too. <laughs> uh, but what, you know, what they were doing really was artist development um, and being very kind about it. But, you know, spending 10 years with us, like, trying to teach us how to do a thing and also all four of us sort of working together to figure out how to do something that none of us really knew how to do like how to bring an art form that we were very versed in and figure out how to make it look mm. natural on a on a screen you guys were all in benign denial about <laughs> each other keith when you think back to this whole process did the development of the screenplay happen more easily or more was it more difficult of a process than you imagined it would be? I would say it was a longer process <laughs> than I think any of us imagined it would be. But it, <clears throat> I think it, I don't think it was ever difficult in the way that development sometimes is. Like I think we all very, very early on knew we all wanted to make the same movie as each other. Mm. And a lot of the times that development feels the most difficult is when you either never realize you're all trying to make a different thing or you know you're all trying to make a different thing from each other and stuck working together. Um, this was really pleasurable the whole time just because we all knew from the very beginning what we wanted to make and it was just about carving away the stuff that wasn't that. Yeah. Jania, you have so many impressive, particularly TV credits, but also film credits. Was this a case of them convincing you to sign on or are you convincing them that you were right? Listen, it's very hard to convince me to do anything. So I'm really <laughs> glad, of, no, nobody, no. I read this script and was so moved by it that I called the only friend we had in common and coerced him into telling them about me to sort of like get ahead, that wasn't gonna help me at all. But I, you know, when, you, when you're moved by something, you just like figure out how you could possibly get in. Um, no. Nobody convinced me. I was there. I just did whatever I needed to. It sounds dirty, but all I did was show up in an audition and take a meeting with these guys. Yeah. I think it's super impressive that Carl. Oh, I'm sorry, David. You wanted to say something. Oh no. no. I'm oh, okay. Um, 
Oh, it's super impressive that Carlos Lopez Estrada, this is his first feature film as a director. I mean, that's extremely impressive. How did you guys land on him? I think you guys had a history together with some music videos. And how did you get Jess and Keith on board for bringing him on? Yeah, I mean, I, I met Carlos doing clipping music videos for my band Clipping um, that were way overreaching. I mean, what we knew about Carlos is he always does more with with what is available. You know, that we knew that going in and, and really that was seven or eight years ago. And since then, uh, I've Clippings worked with him a bunch more. Ralph and I have worked with him and, and all three of us have worked together on some things. The story about I'll let you tell the story of how Carlos ended up being signed on as the director. Yeah, we, the three of us were having a, um, I mean, Jess and Keith were having a meeting in New York. And uh, we we sort of knew that there was an upcoming window where, where Diggs was going to be uh, available to do a, a longer stretch of shoot, this 22 days that we had. And so we were sort of just trying to reverse engineer from there. We knew we had to do a page one rewrite. We knew we had to get uh, going as, as soon as possible. And uh, and we started sort of talking about well you know what what um, how would we want to how would we want to do this uh, and they asked if if I if there was anybody that I that I thought should direct um, and I, I immediately thought of Carlos because we we knew that what this was going to take was somebody that we had um, an easy shorthand with mm. that was going to be able to uh, take in a story that's so site specific and respected enough to make this a truly collaborative experience going forward um, because it was going to require um, constant communication in real time mm. to make sure that it felt authentic, right? The, the thing we needed to, to ensure more, more than anything is that we're telling a hometown story of a place where people will then see it <laughs> and, and, and grade it based on and whether or not it feels honest and sincere to the place. Um, and so we knew that Carlos is a very, he's a very careful director. He's a very, um, very loving director. Mm. Um, and, and we're, we're big advocates for, as, as, as we learned from Jess and Keith to, to believe in people and, and, and when they have a, we have an opportunity to, to hand forward, like it's very hard to get your first film. And we, we thought of Carlos as, well, this is somebody who's ready to, that we know is ready to do it. And that is going to work with us in a, in a, in a way that we feel like is most conducive towards getting, getting a, a very ambitious idea executed well. And, and the other big thing was we were working at, um, uh, David and I started this program at the public theater in New York called bars, which is a theater in verse workshop. And it has a, thank you for that one person who clapped. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a workshop that, that's just examining the intersection of, of theater and, ver and heightened language. Um, and there's an end video project that we do every time that's, that's sort of like filmed in front of a live audience and it's this big one take thing. And Carlos really created that for us. Um, and we'd done, it, we'd done it a few times with him. And a lot of that was an investigation on how to capture verse um, that is traditionally in the theater into film and transfer and put it on YouTube, it did very well. Um, and so we were like, well, this is somebody also who's gone as far down the, the the experimental rabbit hole in this medium as anyone else um, let's let's like we've been doing let's elevate uh, one of, one of our peers along with us into this opportunity let's band together and let's tr let's try to see if we can solve this riddle together and he was waiting for for me for another thing at a cafe uh, like a block or two away and we just went there and sort of ambushed him and I sat down and I said hey man we're gonna make this movie do you want to direct it um, I do that to people. 
I drag them into things without explaining what it's going to be. I just go, it's going to be good. Uh, but we had enough sort of social currency where he was like, I mean, sh- yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, and then I pitched him the thing on the way to the train and he, and he agreed to it. I think he read the old draft that night. And, and I think two days later, Carlos and I were in, we were in LA working with Jess and Keith on getting the, the rewrite done. Yeah, I just want to jump in really quick and just say that another thing that that was so appealing about um, having someone like Carlos be a part of this team is that I thought that it's really it was really important for all of us that if we were going to add someone to our to our team that they bring a unique perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that his perspective as a Mexican American, like telling this kind of story about perception um, was just so important. And, and along the way, like every single member of the cast and Janina kind of sold herself a little short and uh, telling why, like how she ended up being part of this process. And I would love for her to say her perspective, <laughs> which brought, which was very, very important to what the story is, is about. Please do. Well, okay. Um, you know, we don't address this at all in the film, but um, wh- when I read this script, it, <clears throat> you, why are you sitting back? Like, it's, it's going to be long. I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. Did you see really the dinks like just went. <laughs> <laughs> Get comfortable, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. The epic um, tale. <laughs> it's not true. Janina's audition. It's so good. <laughs> so basically what happened is you read these scripts, you know, and sometimes you like them, but you don't really feel like, am I the right person for the job? And then, <laughs> I'm messing around, but this part's true. So, um, in this case, I read this character and I felt like I, I can be of service. And um, the last time I felt like that was my first series, ironically, The L Word, a person who's so very different from me, but this person's actually very similar to me. Mm-hmm. And the first um, thing I wanted to do was take a meeting with Jess, Keith, and Carlos and make sure that they were okay with my way into Val. And um, that was in the experience of the child of immigrants. And um, again, we don't talk about that at all, but is, if there's any, is there anyone here who is an immigrant or the child of immigrants? Yes, okay, so you know, you know that we feel this thing. It is a responsibility to uphold the sacrifices that our parents have made for us to be in this country and receive and thrive within these gifts. And that means that you have to put yourself first in your own growth and you can be in love with someone and see that they will hold you back and have to choose yourself over your love. And that is what I wanted to make sure they were okay with and and we were all on the same page and then that's when I read. Um, And ironically, I was in a room of all immigrants and children of immigrants Mm. when I had that meeting. It was emotional, we got a little. Teary. But you're also kind of like the proxy for the audience in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, Val is one thing I love about this is that almost every character is in a different is at a different part of the spectrum and how they are um, and, and how OK they are with gentrification in their environment. Val is trying to travel in the direction the horse is already going. Mm. So she goes to that soul cycle, even though she knows it is not there for her. It is there for the person who will replace her. She's trying her best to drink the damn green juice because it's probably good for you. <laughs> and then, you know, and um, it could help people if they did the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. I, 
we didn't know that they had had that conversation at all. And Janina came into an audition. We like read with everybody who who auditioned, you know. And so and we did the hair braiding scene for for the audition. And there's that moment at the end where they're like hugging, and then she walks away. And every we I mean we saw a, many wonderful actresses for this role. And Janina did a thing that nobody else did, which is that she hugged for like half a second, was like, okay, bye, and walked out of the room. Mm. And we were like, <gasps> it had never occurred, like that kind of conviction had never occurred to either of us. And that was just one of these, that's why you cast great actors, right? Because they teach you about what you wrote. So we saw that and was like, that person has made a decision, mm. right? And we don't actually have to, maybe the, we hadn't even thought about it. We had just written words, but like, Maybe the right choice isn't to watch somebody struggling with the choice. Maybe it's more interesting to have one person in the film who has made a choice already, mm. you know? And so it was It was so important. So, yeah, we sort of immediately were like, oh, that's, that's foul. What's exciting about this movie is that it really is a balancing act in that it has to speak to a hyper-local Oakland audience and an audience throughout the rest of the country. It has to speak to a white audience, a black audience, everything else. How did you guys look after that when you were in the process of developing it and writing it? I think we only cared about the Oakland part. <laughs> I think is the actual secret of it. But like the, the, the reality of the situation is that we just wanted to be incredibly honest. Um, and make it, make sure that we complicated every person as much as any person that we know who actually grew up in this situation and make sure that all the situations had enough, had the opportunity for an audience to explore them from as many perspectives as we all get to there when, when we were growing up in this place. And so it was about specificity, I think, for the most part. It was about... Um, trying to be hyper specific about the thing and 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 hoping that you know the choice to choose something specific allows everybody to see that and either be like I am like that or I am not like that but what that isn't is nothing mm. that's not like I don't know we get a lot of you get a you get a lot of things this particularly happens on like oh I don't know like network tv spaces where you get like people that are not people, right? Because they're not from anywhere, um, really. And so we needed everybody here to be from the real Oakland, the actual Oakland that we grew up in that we had never seen represented on screen before. And it was that kind of specificity that we sort of hoped would lend itself to something that felt universal. Keith, how did you guys decide where and in the schedule you would put the garage scene? Uh, towards the end <laughs> because it had to kind of all build to that. And I think that also, um, you know, we were joking um, amongst ourselves last week that when we think about the movie, we, we think about there not being a huge amount of improv. And then we started watching some scenes and looking at pages from the script. And we're like, oh, wow, this is so much like just little improv and changes here and there throughout. And I think the the thing that we knew was that that final piece in the in the garage had to really synthesize everything from the whole film together. So we couldn't shoot it ahead of the other stuff because we didn't know that it was all going to work until we got all those materials and then knew that we were talking about things that Colin had been through because David had been through it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was definitely important. I, and I would, to talk to the previous point, I do think that um, the specificity as a path to universality was something that we talked about a lot 
while developing it and while shooting it. And I do think it's like there's really only two ways to get to a universal thing. One is ex extreme specificity and the other is to cast Tom Hanks. <laughs> and um, we couldn't get Tom Hanks, so we had to. But that would have worked on both. Would have worked. Yeah, he is from Oakland, so. Think so we did try. <laughs> For the two lifelong friends, how? what's something that you now know about each other that you only could have learned about each other after going through this experience together? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Rafa's not great at falling backwards. <laughs> at falling backwards, oh. Does okay. anyone know this story? I got a concussion, okay? <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, man, that was a rough day. <laughs> Bringing you up all know. wounds. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't remember it. Uh, yeah, not good at falling backwards. I don't do my own stunts. That's what we learned. <laughs> that time is over. <laughs> Came and it went. Um, something that I learned about you that I didn't know before. Um... You know what? You know what we'd never. You know what we'd never done before. Um, Diggs and I have done like we're we're constantly playing out sketches just when we're hanging out because it's funny, um, and and running jokes to their to their end and like you know the, like I'll catch we'll, we'll be in the car and I realize like we've been doing the same voice for <laughs> twenty minutes because that's what friends do right you just like run, you just run a joke into the ground, um, and we've done web series stuff and we've done a a, a, a play or two together. But what we hadn't ever done are some of the the most intense scenes in the film. We you know we'd never shot a film together before. That was a, this is obviously a very new experience, um, and and so you you like there there's that that scene where Colin and Miles after the hipster party have this massive argument. We've never spoken to each other that way, um, and I never doubted that it would go well. But that doesn't that doesn't take away from how 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 safe that space felt, right? It's like one thing to like know something really great about the people around you. It's another thing. It's like in any friendship when shit gets tested, you're like, well, I already knew you were my my closest friend and my family, but like there it is again. You showed up again, and I think that scene that scene took a lot out of both of us. And I think it was just another moment where like at the at the at at the place where um, our characters were the most far apart. We were sort of in the most support of each other we've ever been because we knew how important this, that scene is one of the oldest, if not the oldest scene in the script. Mm. Um, so it was very precious, I think, to all of us. And I just think from, for me as, as, a, as an actor, that required so much support. Mm. Um, Diggs always says that that scene was the, hardest for him because it was like the one moment he wished it wasn't his friend because it required so much and I had the opposite experience like I don't think that was possible if it if it wasn't David and I think it's it's always great when you when you when you feel like you you deepen the collaborative spirit of 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 your art with each other okay I've saved the two most important questions for the end right there. I love <laughs> 
I love the Tisha Campbell thing where she says M. Shamal Knight instead of M. Night <laughs> That is Shyamalan. my favorite joke in the whole okay. movie. Improv, people. No, are you it, serious? Like, Campbell were you, is were a you, genius. Were you, were you laughing too hard to hear the, the little like peanut gallery response of there's always a twist? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't hear that. Best ad lib. That's called a third viewing joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> so between that and ad-lib. the whole like Jason Biggs, Topher Grace, Neil Patrick Harris. Improv, thing, again. So have, now that this movie has played festivals and come out, have you heard from any of these people? <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Which oh, that would be fantastic. No, no, no one's come uh, back with that. Oh, but I hope that word gets around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you know Topher, tell him we're looking for him. <laughs> the fa- my Actually. favorite improv line of that scene is... Um, so Udkar Shambudkar uh, is it plays Rin, who does the retelling of that. Amazing. That was the friend that um, Janina was referring to that she reached out to to to, to, to reach out to us. Yeah, yeah. But we ended up coming in as as a um, uh, as just coming in for the day to do that role. It's one of our, we love this moment so much because like it, it couldn't have actually went any better than it did. There was a scripted version of that scene that is not what you watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, Udkar, uh, among his many talents, is an incredible uh, uh, improviser. And he sort of get, he gave us one straight, and then was like, "Can I kind of like, can I go?" And what what followed was two hours of just everyone falling out of their chairs in the other room and Video Village and, and crew trying to hold in the laughter, and us tr- you know he, us realizing that like he was gonna rewrite this and we we're gonna have to shoot his version two days from now. Um, and one of the lines that he improvised that w- will always sit with me because I didn't get the joke right away. I think none of us. None of us it. did. He when when uh, when Topher Grace is on fire, um, <laughs> he says um, uh, Michael B. Jordan's on fire and Chris Evans is on fire, and I didn't realize that he was referencing the two Human Torches. Oh. That's fantastic. Yeah. Blows your fucking mind. Sorry, people. It's fantastic. I was trying to cut it in the editing room so he many was times. To cut it and then somebody explained it to me. It was like, and now it can never leave. It can, it's too good. Totally he improvised that. Right. On the crazy. spot, who is that fucking smart? It's not fair. <laughs> okay, and then, Deep sorry. Cut. <laughs> last thing before you guys get to go home. In this world where every phone number in a movie is 555 or 183, like you guys on the moving van, it's 407 We're so glad you asked. 407-5043. And here's why. If you call that number, what happens? Well, a few things happen. One, um, that's a real moving company. Uh, Commander Moving. Commander Moving. Excellence in relocation. relocation. Real slogan. (laughs) Fantastic. In the script, the company is called Easy Lift. That's what we made. That's what we made. That's the best we could do. Not as good as Commander Moving. (laughs) Excellence in relocation. And the 415 is there because before 510, the East Bay was 510. It was 415. So they've, it's like a testament to how long they've been there. But what's really great now is people keep like, tweeting us with pictures of the truck being like, oh my God, your campaign is so good. You're actually driving trucks around the city. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, we're that clever. And then we also get we like- started a business. <laughs> it's just, it's also just such a weird deep cut because we get like subtle shade from like younger folks born in Oakland who are like, you got a San Francisco area code on that truck. Everything about this film works except that. And then we have to clap back like, nah, you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> You're barely even here. <laughs> you don't remember when it was all 415 in the dark ages, but <laughs> that was when we had pagers. <laughs> and the yellow pages. <laughs> 
Well, it's a pleasure to meet all five of you old grown-ups. Congratulations on this movie. Guys, thank, thank you, you so much for being here and so checking out this film of ours. We deeply appreciate, we appreciate it. it. Well done. Thank you for having us. Man. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Academy Conversations Uncut. We hope you enjoyed this unique access to a members-only Q&A at the Academy. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and help us reach film lovers around the world. This podcast was produced by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences.